This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. It's Friday, it's peeing down and Liverpool have added another trophy to the cabinet. All is right with the world. I'm Joe Rimmer and alongside me I've got two fine gentlemen to discuss what was a massive week for the Reds and a big weekend to come. On my left is a man who has spent most of the week partying on a boat down the Bosphorus. Dan Kay, how are you Dan? I'm alright, I'm still a little bit husky. There was some yeah, singing and carousing, but it was all uh, for the right reasons. Yeah. And um, Sorry I couldn't bring the, the lovely sunny weather from Istanbul back with me, but I've at least brought hopefully a bit of the sheen of victory. It looked like a cracking trip down on that boat down the river It there. really was. I mean, what a fantastic idea. Massive credit to everybody involved. I think it really was the initiative of the Turkish uh, Liverpool Supporters Club, but obviously mm-hmm. they would have been in touch with the guys over here because Jamie Webster was on there and it was such a brilliant idea that a few of us got to thinking afterwards, hang on, we've got a river right by us, why don't we do it a little bit more often? So maybe that's one for, <laughs> to be discussed. Party boats point. down the Mersey. Maybe, down the Mersey. Yeah. maybe not every week, but I think for certain for special occasions, why not? Yeah, well, did, so anyway, you're out did, there. did you enjoy that intro more than Theo's most pointless name? I, I, I didn't know that he, he thought your name was so pointless. And next up, next to you, we've got uh, Dan Kay, the man with the most pointless name in Echo Sport. It's the same number of syllables as his actual name, DK. Well, I mean, it, it did make me kind of re-examine my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A, lo- a lot of things. It, it's, uh, but I, th- I feel I've come through the other side of yeah, it. Of and um, yeah, I'll be having words with Theo about that afterwards. It hasn't really sunk in even for, a week on. For the record, I kind of like your name. It's quite snappy, Dan Kay. I like it. Where? Well, I haven't really got much choice in the matter, Joe. <laughs> <That's true. laughs> Lumbered with it, so you get on, you, you make the best of it. Well, on my right is a man who deserves a big build-up today. He does. He does. Um, Do after I? a momentous week, he is our new reigning, defending, undisputed Liverpool correspondent, both home and away. You all know him as tall Paul Ghost. Hello, Joe. I don't think I've ever been given a, such a big build-up. I might use that as like me text message telling yeah. me something. Yeah. <laughs> you are, it's been a big week for you. A it big has. week for a big man. Yes, yes. Merseyside's Man Mountain, apparently, according yeah. to Neil Docking, which uh, immediately stuck in me Twitter bio. I liked it that much. Yeah, um, being up in, in Istanbul with, with Ian Doyle, haven't I? Um, what dreams are made of. Our Dan's been going down the bus for us, singing la 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 I was uh, stuck in a hotel room. Tapping away content. Um, Been there. Yeah, it was. It was. It was a good, good few days. Um, good to get st- stuck into the, the the European games and great to see the pool bring the Super Cup home. Um, tense game. Literally. Won Bef- it before with the you get into the game, the game. Look, I, we all want to talk um, about the game. But first of all, Gorsi, I, I need to take a little bit of time to talk about you. I know ever the ever the modest man. You're trying to change the subject straight to the game, but we we need to. We need our audience to get to know our, our new mm. Liverpool correspondent, both home and away. Um, you are James Pierce's heir apparent. Yes, um, big, big shoes to fill. So um. the, the listeners know you as tall Paul Ghost. Yeah. Um, and everyone but your stepdad seems to enjoy that, <laughs> yeah. that moniker. But tell us a bit more about yourself. You, you're a Liverpool lad. I, I, I've, I've got a few questions for you. So, so oh. yeah. Yeah, um, what can I say? I've, I've been at the Echo coming up to three years in October. Um Absolutely delighted to be able to step into James uh, Pierce's shoes. Uh, big shoes to fill, but he's a 10 and a half and I'm an 11, so <laughs> we're all right on that front. Um, what can I say? It's just a dream job, one that I've, I've pretty much always had my eye on since I decided that I wanted to be a, a sports journalist, which is probably over half my life ago now, thinking back. Um, I was quite fortunate early on to realise what I wanted to do with my career and um, finally being allowed the chance to do so. So I'm looking forward to seeing where we go over the next uh, weeks, months and uh, 
probably is, or hopefully is. Okay, so some quick fire questions then, just to discuss you following Liverpool. Um, Favourite game? Istanbul. Istanbul, easy. 2005, not 2019, <laughs> although it was decent. Favourite ever player? Robbie Fowler. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely love them. Um, from a, a similar area to me, grew up playing alongside his, his younger brother, um, so now his family, and just for him to just be as good as he was at that time, um, I loved them, and I always will. Um, hero. Is he the man whose name is on the back of your shirt when yeah. you growing up? Fowler, Fowler 23 now, Fowler 9. Yeah, I like it. Uh, Favourite goal? Oh, now you've got me. Um, as soon as you said that, first, there's two that come to my head, and they do pretty meaningless goals in the grand scheme of things, but Suarez's goal against Norwich with the outside of his foot from about 40 yards, and Gerrard's one against Middlesbrough from a similar oh, distance. Yeah. Mm. Um, those who've just come off the top of my head. Um, Michael Owens in the FA Cup final, the, the yeah. second one, just just because that won the trophy. Um, but if you give me 10 minutes, I could think of hundreds of brilliant goals. You're not getting 10 minutes. We will <laughs> talk about the game. That That is Paul Gorse, your, your new LFC correspondent. Go and follow him at PT Gorse. At PT Gorse, yeah. Yeah, and you're on Facebook, you're on Instagram, you're on it all. I'm you? on the lot, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah so give him a follow. Um, he is going to be the man, man to follow from now on. Uh, right, well... The European champions and other super European champions having won the Super Cup on Wednesday night. Go on, Gorsley, you were there. Um, it wasn't the easiest games, it's fair to say, for Liverpool, but they got the job done and there's another trophy in the cabinet. There is, and I watched Chelsea against Manchester United and thought Liverpool won't have much to worry about. It's a new-look Chelsea with a new manager. He's given plenty of uh, loanies a chance and, and it's a completely different feel about Chelsea this season. So I thought Liverpool, with all the continuity and, and all the the stellar names that they have would go and steamroll them, if I'm honest, and maybe I'd underestimated the team who finished there last season and won Europa League a little bit because they came out and they were the better team uh, for the first half. Uh, got their goal and were good value for it, to be honest, and I thought Liverpool possibly need something here just to kind of remind people that it's not all doom and gloom, they're not a spent force by any stretch of the imagination. As soon as Roberto Firmino comes on, he transforms the game instantly, doesn't he? And shows Liverpool that there isn't any kind of replacement for him uh, in their squad or probably in, in world football. Uh, Oxlade-Chamberlain was given his first start since April 2018 and it showed he was rusty. Uh, nothing to worry about. He was just, you know, he's going to have to start at some point, isn't he, make his first start. And Just to interrupt, to be fair to him, he did have a fantastic touch and ball out to, yeah, to, to yeah. Salah to set him up for one, one chance. Cameo then, yeah. Wasn't yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, other than that, that was excellent. But other than that, it, it was a tough forty-five minutes for him. The ball was bouncing off him, and, and he wasn't quite holding it. And uh, when Firmino come on in his place, the change was was instant, and the pool got themselves back into it. Uh, and it, yeah, it was it was a long all night in Turkey. He'd end up going to penalties, didn't it? And the pool held the nerve and eventually come away with a five-four, which you. It's probably a bit of a rare scoreline for penalty shootouts, isn't it? And the pool lift the Super Cup and now they are the undisputed kings of Europe. I've got more to ask you, Dan, but just, just come to think of it, seeing as Paul mentioned it then. Mm. Penalties. Have teams got better at penalties? I remember when I was growing up, penalty shootout could end like... 3-2. Three, 3-2 two. Three, two, yeah, or even 2-1. But now... It's funny you say that. Player's got funny you say that because only a couple of days ago I was watching the LCTV and Charlie Adams' penalty... Came. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, I think it was like Kenny's best games. And obviously, it's become a bit of a, 
<clears throat> one of those things people pluck out for a laugh every so often. You know, is it still in orbit? Is it yeah. knocks a satellite out or whatever? But what I forgot about it, because I think they showed most of the shoes out, was that that was actually the third penalty of the shoes out, and it, and it was still nil-nil. Gerard missed for us, yeah. and then I think Rainer saved from one of them. And then Charlie Adams steps, so it's like, well, it'd be one nil now, surely, and he blazed it. Yeah. Um, now, the, the standard of the, comp- of the penalty competition on Wednesday was, was well, on the face of it, it was very decent. The first nine were scored, and then obviously... Adrian saved from uh, Tammy Abraham. Um, I think our third and fourth penalties were maybe slightly mm. fortuitous. The ones from Trent, Trent, Trent and, and Divock Origi. Yeah. Thankfully, they were, on both of them, Kepper died full length, seemed to get something on it, but there was just enough pace mm. to take it over the line. I mean, I and, and a couple, Mo Salah took our fifth, didn't he? Now, mm. I think I'm right in saying Salah still only missed one penalty for Liverpool against Huddersfield uh, in yeah. his first season yeah. game that we yeah. went on to win comfortably anyway at Anfield. And he's taking probably edging up towards maybe six, seven, eight pens he's taking for us now. Now the vast majority of them, including the one the by a mile the most important one in Madrid, you can look back on them and say as it happens, his one on, on Wednesday was pretty good. It, it, yeah. But but some of them have been a little bit sketchy. At the end of the day though, it doesn't say how if it flew in the top corner or how near the goalkeeper got, all that matters is that it went in. I, I think you're right though. I think I think the the standard of penalty taking has improved and I've, You'd expect it to because any yeah. team really worth its salt, I I think should do practice. I mean, there's, there, there was the whole. There's always been this argument: you can't replicate the pressure or the stress of the of the situation. But I don't I don't necessarily. Well, I'd agree with that to a certain degree, to a certain point. But the whole basis of practice is that you keep doing what you, you hone your skills to such a point that it becomes muscle memory, mm-hmm. and that enables you to handle pressurized situations if your skill, if your technique, is is strong enough to cope with that. And it seemed, we are, I, I haven't heard from, from Klopp whether they were practising before the Super Cup, but I can't think of too many pen, penny competitions when we haven't missed one, even the you know, first one I remember is Rome 84. Mm-hmm. Steve Nichol blazed one over the bar to, to kick it off with. So, um, 2021 then? Uh, I was just I was just entering my early 40s then. <laughs> yeah. I was two days after my seventh birthday, you cheeky little scamp. <laughs> Oh, sorry, you finished on that. You're, well, you're well, not speaking to me anymore. Well, I've, I've given you my view on how penalty competitions improved. Do you, do you remember the one the other year? Was it Middlesbrough? Ended like 16, 17. Yeah, do you know yeah. what I remember no, more than keep, anything keep else us. about that joke? Sorry, sorry to jump in, but pull very quickly. I was covering it in the office, and I think you were covering it from home. Yeah, yeah. And was it was it fifteen, sixteen? Yeah, and I remember a capped up tweet from you going, "Can someone please win? I want to go to bed." Yeah, yeah. I didn't crack me up at the time. Sorry. Yeah. I often crack you up. <laughs> I, I, the, only, the only thing I remember from that, other than the going on for about two hours, was didn't the keepers uh, take theirs and, and score as yeah, well? Yeah. And it, it eventually went it back round the again. Yeah. It, it wasn't so much, I, I remember, I, I, I realised that people didn't tune in today to listen to us talk about Middlesbrough and <laughs> in the League Cup in 2015 or whatever it was. But I, I, one of the things I do remember about that is that all of the penalties were really good. So I remember like Sacco stepping up and burying it into the bottom corner and Lucas doing the same and thinking someone, even if they, they score, will take a bit of a rubbish penalty. But everyone was taking really good ones. So it, it does feel like they've gotten better at it. Uh, to be honest, you know what? I I never remember penalty shootouts. Like no. once they're done, I've really got to like rack my brain. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you remember those, obviously. But generally, like I'd struggle to, to tell you what the penalties were like against Cardiff, for instance. Mm. I can't remember Cardiff. Only because I seen it the other day on the telly. Yeah. I've also maybe a bit of 
I was actually at the Liverpool had a tremendous record at penalty shootouts. Obviously, Rome '84 was the first time one was in a final. Um, we'd never actually lost one until 1993 against Wimbledon away in the League Cup, and I was there sadly on an open <laughs> terrace in December at Bloody Southhurst Park. Um, what age were you then? About forty. You are cruising <laughs> for a bruise in you, sunshine. Um, so Liverpool have had a have had a decent record in them over the years. Mm. Um, we've never touched wood, lost one that really mattered. Mm. Um, there was the there was the Northampton one, wasn't there, with Roy Hodgson in the rain? Yeah, yeah of course. I was uh, there. Which, I was front row for that one. I was at it was home. Horrific. Not, not a bit like Paul. That's it. Wasn't a big enough game for me to come out. No. And, and <laughs> no, no. <laughs> well. What do you think went wrong for Liverpool in the first half? It was, it was a difficult first half. They they started, I think, first 10 minutes or so. They, they, they were pretty decent. And then Chelsea just seemed to take over. Um, lots of talk, although Klopp denied it today, that Liverpool play with a, a higher defensive line. Midfield didn't really seem to gel that much. I thought Milner was on the periphery of the game quite a lot. What, what, what do you think went wrong for Liverpool? Or is it just a case of rhythm? Bit of everything. Um, Fitness-wise... Let's face it; it's still pre-season, is it? For for many of the players, it's only it's only the third game of the season. If you, you count on the Super Cup, uh, the Community Shield, uh, I think it was just a case of a team finding their rhythm. And let's not forget, Chelsea are still a decent side, aren't they? They've got plenty of, of excellent players, and I thought they shaded it for the first half. I don't think there was anything too concerning for Jurgen Klopp. It was just one of those nights where maybe the midfield was a little bit off the pace. And Golo Kante was the best player on the oh, pitch, wasn't he? And brilliant. Frank Absolutely. Lampard said the day before that it didn't look like he was going to be starting, and then he mm. did, and he wasn't um, subdued by any stretch. He was he was the best player. Liverpool just come up against a, a top midfielder on the night, and um, they've eventually been able to ground out the win. So I wouldn't say that there was anything to be too worried about. I thought Andy Robertson was below his usual impeccable standards. His, his crossing was a bit slack, which is uh, not like him. Um, obviously... They were lacking the, the balance down the right with Joe Gomez, who doesn't quite offer what Alexander-Arnold does going forward. As I say, the midfield was maybe a little bit off it. And, um, yeah, there was no Roberto Firmino for the first half. So um, a number of extenuating circumstances, but um, I don't think Klopp will be too worried uh, in the long run. Liverpool just kind of finding their rhythm defensively. Any worries about that defensive <clears> line? I mean, it, it, I know Klopp saying that they don't, they, they haven't changed it. I think, I think the point he was trying to make is Individual games mean that we yeah. play different systems. And, and I think for Chelsea, perhaps they looked at Livier Giroud and thought, well, he won't get in behind. <laughs> he did. Got a great but, record against but, Liverpool. But he has yeah. got a very good record. But he's not the sort of forward that you expect him to be making runs in behind. Mm. But other, Dan, do you have any worries about that defensive line and what's going on at the moment? Not, not especially. I mean, I think another, another thing to mention there is that, you know, well, certainly for the last couple of games, well, really, if you look at pre-season as well, the kind of set in stone back five of Alisson, Trent, Van Dijk, and then one of Gomez or Matip and Robertson has hardly played together because earlier in the preseason, obviously, people were still aware of international duty. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, Alisson has only played half an hour because he got injured last week against Norwich. Um, I think Klopp said himself, it might have been this morning or, or, or after, after the games, that if you actually look at things, they're not that dissimilar to where we were this stage of last season, right at the start. It takes time to get that rhythm, to get that understanding. Um, you know, it, it's, a team and, and a, it's a team and a squad, but also a defence that's evolving and still mm-hmm. learning the best ways to adapt and accommodate each other. I also think as well that the, the setup of the midfield didn't particularly help us in the first no, half on, um, on, on Wednesday night. Um, 
I'm big fans of, of both James Milner and Jordan Henderson, but not necessarily in the same team. Mm. And I read one report after the game that basically said the way it was set up, there was times when Fabinho, when Fabinho was almost like a one-man midfield and yeah. he was getting overrun a bit, yeah. which kind of puts into some kind of context. Was it? I didn't actually see who it was, but I noticed we had we had a story this morning where one ex-Liverpool player was saying Fabinho was playing like he had lead in it. Yeah, yes. it was, was yeah. Graeme Sunesh. Was it? Yeah. I think that was, that was slightly unfair in terms I of... I think, I think you're right. I think at times he was isolated. Mm. And, I, and I think, Paul, I think that underlined how important... Say Genie Wijnaldum is in that midfield because although his energy at times he he seems quieter, he's got good energy. He, he sort of knits things together, doesn't he? And almost allows Liverpool to employ Fabinho deeper, Wijnaldum in in the sort of middle, and then one more advanced. Yeah. What did you think of the midfield? Yeah, I, I thought it, it was a little bit sluggish, and and I agree with Dan to an extent as well about Milner and Henderson being in the same team. Uh, I'd probably class those two alongside Van Alderman similar in terms mm. of their energy that they bring and, and they cover a lot of ground on the input and a lot of work and, and that's what's required for the Liverpool midfield they're not a midfield three that are asked to go and create um, you know lay it on a play for the strikers in the same way a Manchester City midfield three might be because Liverpool's creativity comes from wide with Andy Robertson and, and Trent Alexander-Arnold so if you're going to be in, the, in a Liverpool midfield and a Jürgen Klopp midfield you've got to work your socks off and Maybe at, at this stage the fitness levels isn't quite there because it's still, as I said, still you know it's not far removed from pre-season, is it? Where quite a, a few of the players miss games, so um, there, are, there are a number of issues as to why the midfield was a little bit uh, off the pace. But I think eventually they, they'll get up to speed, and I've got no huge concerns long term. No. But certainly on the night, Chelsea, um, Chelsea were better the first half, definitely uh, for me. You know, did come on and, and Liverpool got back into it very well, but it was an even game. Um, Liverpool have basically won it through the through holding the nerve, haven't they? And spot kicks it could have went either way, and you wouldn't have had um, many complaints if it did. A couple of things I just want to pick up on. First of all, I, personally, I think that I don't know whether you guys agree. I think Naby Keita was nailed on to start that mm. game. Yeah. Been it's really unfortunate, isn't yeah. it? The way he just keep keeps picking up these little niggles every yeah. time he looks like he's gonna because he was it um, came on at the charity shield yeah, and yeah he, he looked and very good yeah he just you just feel like he can just get a run of games and, and stay yeah. fit he's, he's on the cusp of being the player that we all thought we thought and hoped we were getting he feels like someone who could be the difference maker doesn't mm. he in this team it's something that they perhaps don't really have in, in any other player in midfield yeah they don't have a player like him I think uh, one thing I noticed when he came on in the community shield was his ability to to carry it. Not many other Liverpool midfielders do it. Yeah. Carry it 15, 20 yards, get the team off the pitch and, and keep hold of the ball. And he's also willing more than perhaps anyone else in the midfield to, to play straight passes into into the front three rather than maybe looking sideways or, or wide. He's um, he very much sees it and he wants to go forward on the front foot and, and Liverpool need that at times. Um, it's just a shame every step forward has just taken or met with a, a step back with just niggling injuries and he's never really had the chance to take flight and mm. he's missing tomorrow um, That he's got like a muscle injury on his hip mm. and it's just a case of, of trying to get him fit and keeping him fit doesn't sound like a bad one does it? it doesn't no but he I mean I was there actually in, the, in Vodafone Park on Tuesday when uh, midway through the open training he just kind of walked off to, to no fanfare and it was a bit of a well where's he gone? Um, he got assessed and then it was decreed that he's picked up the injury and he'd, he'd miss Wednesday. And then I thought he might be in contention actually for tomorrow, but Klopp's confirmed today that 
he won't be and um, I suppose he'll be looking at Arsenal now a week tomorrow and pinpointing that as his possible comeback but yeah it, it, it's it's a shame and Liverpool could really do with getting him in the team fit and, and seeing what he can do Definitely um, This is the thing that annoys me I, I mean I, granted both of you were there so thinking about it you, you might not have picked up on this but anyone who's listening who watches it at home it, it doesn't half annoy me that when Liverpool employ it offside trap or any team for that matter employ an offside trap and do it well Chelsea had the ball in the net twice two clear offsides and, and on, on commentary they're saying how lucky Liverpool were well, yeah. that's a that's a good piece of defending isn't it and, yeah. and in days gone by the flag would have gone up and they'd have been offside the ball would never have gone in the net and Klopp said something along the same lines today it's annoying isn't it I, mean, I think it's something that we're going to have to get used to because obviously with VAR now being very much adopted the linesmen have the linesmen have and lines of women, whenever they're used, um, have been instructed that to let play develop and don't put the flag up straight away. I mean, you always kind of wonder, is it, I mean, I'm a big cricket fan, if they, they have these things called soft signals. Mm. Is there some way kind of, of, of identifying that? Probably not. To be, I mean, I and others would argue this arguably already too much technical interference in football. I think it's just something that we are going to have to get used to. But you're right, it's not lucky Liverpool at the end of the day they played the off-stride track, they've caught it out. I think it's just one of these things that all teams, all defenders now are going to have to be aware of. Still play your off-stride trap, and, but when you've relied on your ability to get it right, be prepared to chase back mm. because until basically the move comes to an end, the flag might not, the flag might not go up. And mm. No matter how well-honed your off-stride trap is, every so often you might get it slightly wrong to at least give yourself a chance of getting back and salvage it. It's going to be a work in progress. I think over the next couple of weeks and months, we're going to see a few incidents that could be kind of filed under teething troubles, and, and not just for Liverpool either. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Before we, we move on from the Super Cup and start looking ahead towards Southampton, uh, can we both agree, or all agree, sorry, that the Super Cup is a massive competition. As soon as you win it, it's a massive competition. If they if they'd not won it on Wednesday night, it, it wouldn't have meant anything. But it's massive, isn't it? Come on, it, it is a big competition. I love it. It's the third biggest European competition you can win. There's, there's, that's a fact. Yeah, that's yeah, a fact. It's, true. it's yeah. uh, well, it's a, the most important thing about Super Cup is similar to the Community Shield is just being in it. Um, yeah, the pool were in as European champions. The pool were in the Community Shield as nothing. They just finished second as Man City won everything. Well, that's the thing about the Community Shield, isn't it? That feels a little bit different is that you can finish second and be in the Community Shield and you haven't won anything. Whereas yeah. the Super Cup, you've had to have won a major trophy. This yeah, season exactly. Before. It's pitting the, the Europa League winners against the Champions League winners. And then it's, you know, we'll see who the real kings are. So, yeah, yeah. I, I can see why people. Might not think it's the, the biggest trophy to win, but Liverpool were in it, so why not go and win it? And that's exactly what they've done. Yeah. It's another trophy in the cabinet, and more than anything, I think it just continues to foster that winning, winning mentality. Might, might you yeah. call it? Just well, just exactly. Winning, winning can become a habit, can't it? And you know, at the end of the day, at the end of our football supporting career, no one's gonna. You're always gonna put league titles and European cups above cups like the Charity Shield and and the Super Cup. But the way I look at it is. Number one, it kind of consolidates and almost kind of like reinforces the success that you've had a few months before yeah, that's yeah. enabled you to qualify for it. And it's it's like a reminder of kind of like you know, the reason, happy memories of the reason the reason why you're here is because you've done something great Do you, in the past. You've got a prepared statement here. Well, the, uh, Dan K is making a prepared, not quite statement, a prepared statement, statement but there was one or two little facetious comments on one, uh, uh, one of my Facebook posts early on today from, from, from an old pal who's an Evertonian who was trying to, he was trying to say that... Um, 
it, that's it. He called it the fake charity shield. <laughs> and I said, well, what? it's the European charity shield. What's fake about it? And he said, well, um, well, because there's a real one already. Everyone knows you can't have more than one real thing, otherwise there'd be chaos, which is nonsense, really, because pretty much every league around Europe has a super cup, yeah, a yeah, charity shield, yeah. where the league, had, the, the, the league winners played the cup winners. So this is essentially just European football's version of it. But I, the way I summed it up in terms of the way I see it... <laughs> It is a little bit of froth at the end of the day, but it's the kind of froth you want to be involved in because you have to have had because you have to have done something good to have had that cup of coffee plonked in front of you. There you go. There you go. So cup metaphors with Dan. Yeah. What what was the one that you used that time? The straw that. Well, I was getting Bobby Firmino. Well, I I thought we were going to get onto it because obviously it had a a huge impact on the game. Sorry, I did actually have him. In well, head to talk about. I, Go on, I, I talk. believe it is. It, it's a phrase that apparently came from American sports, but it's very, very transferable. The straw that stirs the drink, basically, the man that makes it happen, yeah, yeah. The, the, the catalyst. If, if we do have any American listeners, do let us know whether that is a, a known phrase. <laughs> or no, it is. I've Dan's googled it before. The, the, straw, that <laughs> the, the, straw, the straw that stirs the drink, yeah. and to me, that's what Bobby is. He, 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 other players will Roberto. get more headlines. Oh yeah, you don't like Bobby, do you? No. Even though, well, I've heard him call himself that. Though. And the Brazilians call him. You, you think it's a bit of an affectation to you? It's, it's an Everton thing, isn't it? It's, um, it's an, how is it an Everton thing? Bobby Martinez. Bobby Brown shoes. Bobby Brown shoes. Nah. And we took the. You, you need to get over that. We took the Michael them for that. And then I've, now we I've give got the ball to Bobby for you, then, Joe, because I know you don't like that that nickname. He was in the mix zone after the Norwich game, and, and he walked Bobby, past, and um, I called him Bobby. I said, "Bobby, can I have a minute?" And he looked at me, he me and no. Connor Dunn, <laughs> flashed me that gleam and smile, and then walked away. No, no. He, he, he just doesn't talk to anyone, though, does he? Very, no, no. Gives no very I didn't expect him to, but I did call him Bobby. I'd, but no, because but I know he's I'm glad he didn't blank you, though, didn't. Did he? I'm glad he didn't. No, no, no. I'm glad he didn't give you any, <laughs> any quotes. Um, I, for, for me, he remains Liverpool's most important player. I think I think the last, well, certainly Wednesday night in the last couple of weeks, I thought it was excellent in the Charity Shield when oh, he come yeah, on. Yeah. And I've, I've got real high hopes from this season. I just think he's a fantastic footballer. I think we're so lucky to have him. And you know, I think I get it. Kind of get the impression he likes being under the radar a little bit. Yeah. I don't think he necessarily wants to be the big old singing, old dancing superstar in the way that likes of Salah and others are. But huge fan, and you know, here's hoping that we've got a lot more still to come from Roberto. It's funny actually because he. He wasn't great in the European... I know he's come back from injury, but in the European Cup final, he wasn't that, that good. Or the one year and, before. Yeah, Kiev. And, and he's come back and he started this season like a house on fire, isn't it? Whereas the, like, the summer tournaments, um, arguably the likes of Mane and Salah really could have done without them and Keita yeah. to get themselves rested. Because he missed basically the last six weeks of the season, I actually think it did a, yeah. did him a bit of good. Yeah. I saw a couple of the I think, parts of the semi in the final of the Copper America and I just remember thinking at Wembley, the Charity Shield, wow, he, that... Bobby's back. This, this is the yeah. Thing. He looks yeah. sharp straight yeah. away. That we know he, yeah. loved and yeah. Every, every you know, the couple of games since then, he's looked right on it. And um, hopefully, another big performance from him at St Mary's tomorrow. Okay, well, we I can't believe we, we've spoken about the Super Cup for this long. We're about twenty minutes into the pod, and we've not mentioned Adrian, who um, Adrian is, yeah. is a big, big story. Obviously, saved the winning penalty. Um, Paul. It's not all good news, is it? He essentially saved the winning penalty, was celebrating, and some lunatic fan ran on the pitch and two-footed him. Yeah. And he's now a doubt for tomorrow at Southampton. Um, bit of a mad evening for him. Yeah, such a such a bizarre event and a bizarre way to get injured. They're all celebrating, aren't they? And the video's only come to light today, which... Yeah, if you haven't seen the video, go go and watch the video. It's just nuts. Yeah, it's on our... Um, it's on our Twitter account, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so the, the fan runs on to celebrate. 
run, must run. It's basically he's, he's not coming from in front of them. He's coming from the right of them. So he must run 30, 40 yards. Gets there and slips, and basically falls into them all and injures Adrian's um, ankle. He almost Gomez out he, as well. He did. Joe Gomez said that after the game. Um, he sort of said something about fella hurtling into him, and I didn't quite know what he was on about. Um, I couldn't quite catch it, but that's what he was talking about. Um, so Adrian has um, got a swollen ankle. Um, it was extensively rehabbed on the flight home. Um, the physio Lee Nobs, is it? Um, the hopefully can play. Adrian himself um, doesn't really see the fuss, apparently. He thinks he'll be okay, so... Hopefully it is just a, a bit of an issue that means that he'll be fit enough to play. I I, I expect him to play. Um, it might just be an issue of keeping goal kicks short. Um, but I don't see a, a scenario tomorrow where Liverpool are relying on Andy Lonergan to start and you've got uh, Keevan Kelleher on the bench. Look, I, I'm not going to be a big party pooper here, but... Again. Again. <laughs> but the, I do feel like with Adrian, there's been a bit of a, a rewriting of history in terms of... I had people before the game talking to me as if Adrian is this brilliant goalkeeper. And I know we all want him to do well. He's coming in now, um, now that Alisson's injured. But Dan, he's a, he's, he's a good Premier League goalkeeper. But for me, he's still fairly average. He's a middle-of-the-road Premier League goalkeeper. I don't think he's any better than that. But the one thing he has got, and I'll give him this, and I want to know, want to know what you think about it, is his, his mentality. He seems to have a good mentality. As Paul's just said, he doesn't see the fuss about this ankle injury. He, he, mm. he just wants to play. He seems to step in in a big pressure game and do well. You know, he backed himself in the penalty shoes out. He seems to be a, a good character. Well, and I think that's why he's been brought in for his mentality, for his for, and also for his experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched a bit of the kind of pre-match and post-match, which was recorded on the telly when I got home last night. And I think Klopp's interview before the game with BT, um, and he obviously he was being asked by Des Kelly about Adrian and you know being thrust into you know a pretty big game like that, and he, and he says, "Well, this is what this is why this is why you buy experience. This is what this is what experience is for." Because you obviously hadn't had many training sessions, hadn't really had much of a pre-season. Mm-hmm. But by all accounts, he's in good physical shape. Mm-hmm. Um, he's 32, I think that's right. Yeah, so, yeah. So we, he's I not think, quite as old as some of the sort of backup goalkeepers are out there on the market. Yeah. How old was Neville Southall when he got wheeled out for Bradford? About 41, oh, yeah. 42 yeah. at that stage, wasn't yeah. he? Um, I, I'd agree with you. You know, he's, he's a good, solid Premier League level goalkeeper. I mean, you have to wonder what Simon Minnelay's thoughts have been like over the last week or so. With first off... Yeah, well, Alison getting injured last week, and then obviously, you know, when we heard the news about it today, he could have had another medal under his belt, and could be looking at another month or so in the first team. Um, you know, the reality is, hopefully, this is the first injuries Alison has had for us. We hope there's not going to be many more to come. So it's an awkward one with, with reserve goalies. You want quality, but it's hard to get sufficient quality when you know that they might only ever play a handful of games um, of the season. But he, you know, he, he, he did, he did his best for us. On um, it, it, was, it was a good save as well, quite similar to Dudek's save, and the, the, the winning save. He he'd kind of gone to one side, but was aware and alert enough to to, to kick it out with his feet. We haven't got, we haven't talked much about the penalty yet, which I still haven't really seen a a, a very yeah, good angle on it. I thought thought it was rash from from Adrian, but it well, that's wasn't. It. Didn't seem to be a penalty, but it looked very soft. I mean, it was at our end, so you know, it's, I had quite a good view of it in the ground, and it didn't look like one. But having seen a couple of replays back, virtually everyone said it wasn't a penalty. But in this day and age, goalkeepers have to goalkeepers need to realise they have to try and stay on the feet yeah, more. Yeah. Don't give a don't give a the striker the chance to run into you and go down, and b the, the referee the chance to make a decision. 
Now, you're talking split-second reactions here, and, and particularly when, you know, particularly when it, at the start of a season when he hardly played much, hardly played much football, if he had 20 or 30 games under his belt, then maybe he wouldn't have dived in then. But, um, it, you know, it, it was, a, I'd say, a solid 7.5, 8 out of 10 performance out of him. But whatever happens now, he goes down in history as a man who's helped Liverpool win a penalty shootout and a European trophy, and there's not many that can say that. He certainly does. Um, if it isn't him tomorrow, um, what do you reckon, Paul? And Andy Lonergan or Cueven Killer? Cueven. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to work that one out. Kiva, Kiva O'Neill was hard enough. Um, so I don't. Know what, oh. I, th- I think that's as, that's as good as you, you, you you're going to be able to pull off. That, that sounds that sounds okay to me. Cueven Killer. Well. It's a tough one, isn't it? The goalkeeper who was on the experienced goalkeeper who was on loan at Rochdale last season, or the untried teenager, is highly rated Quinn Kelleher, though, isn't it? Yeah, he? yeah. When um, when Liverpool bought Allison last year, the the feeling was that Kelleher was was third choice, and he was above Camille Grabara in that sense. Who's obviously gone on loan to Huddersfield. To be honest, I, I don't think I don't think there'll be a scenario where Klopp will have to choose, but if he does. Lonergan Lonergan he's the more experienced pro might be a little bit more unfazed than making his debut in the Premier League than Kelleher might be even though Kelleher's obviously got more potential long term it could be a a bit of a crisis couldn't it for Liverpool this no no backup keeper you're relying on your 40 year old third choice and your your teenage um, youth goalkeeper um, at a time when the margins are, margin for error is so small, they really can't afford much. So it's going to be a tough one. Um, if okay. you were asking me, I'd, I'd go for Lonergan. Just yeah. Yeah. Dan Lonergan. I think it would have to be bearing in mind that you know. I mean, has he played a Premier League game, Lonergan? He's probably played obviously lots no, of football. He's, he's never played in the top yeah. No, no. So, so a big leap, a big leap of faith for him. I mean, literally since we've been sitting here in here, I've had a notification off the LFC app. Liverpool are confident. Well, Liverpool are hopeful. Uh, Adrian will be available to play for Southampton. So hopefully, this is only full time. Liverpool are both home and away, sitting in here. So, yeah, that's well, a, he would have broken it otherwise, obviously. But well, <laughs> that's that's yeah. First with breaking well, news. Let's talk Southampton. Um, I, I don't know about you guys, but I always have. Uh, I always see Southampton as one of the real difficult away games, yeah. and I don't know whether it's over the years in my Liverpool watching lifetime. There's been some. Not nice defeats there. The, the the reverse when they were two 0 up under Klopp and ended up losing three two. And I got a couple in. So yeah, the two 0 defeat in Benitez's first season. Uh, Crouch scored. Crouch scored. Yeah, yeah. Um, one nil defeat when uh, they had the black away. I think Risa scored no goal. Risa's on goal. Yeah, yeah that was two 0 I think that was that was when, that was when Phil, Phil Thompson was married. Been going yeah. further back. Um, not long after Sooners had left and Roy Evans had took over a pretty horrendous four two defeat when we were about four 0 down after an hour. That's a tell. Going even further back, and <clears throat> I think it was the treble year '84, <clears throat> a live televised game when Danny Wallace scored twice against us. Mm. So it, it, that was—I mean, the, the, the Dell only went to the Dell once or twice, I think, certainly once, and it very much was renowned as one of those tight little grounds. And I think, in a, in a general sense, for some teams, St Mary's possibly is a bit more welcoming to play for. It's a stat. It's a, you know, a fairly generic. Premier League um, stadium to play in but it's been, always been one of those awkward little games for Liverpool and I think last season's fixture summed that up perfectly Certainly. You know, in the running we, we, you know, we were, there was this spell of games when, it, when we had Tottenham and Chelsea and Southampton but I remember a few of us saying Southampton away is likely to be as hard as any of them and that's exactly the way it proved we ended up winning 3-1 
but it was, we were one down quite early, could have gone two down. We were talking about Casey before and I, I was just thinking then when we were discussing it, it's unfortunate he's been pulled out of the squad. That it, that was his first goal, wasn't he? He got, yeah. he got yeah. that yeah. header from Trent's yeah. cross about yeah. 10 minutes before half time, but it was a real slog through that second half. In the end, Mo Salah broke, I think it was eight or nine yeah. goal scoring, eight, Games goal scoring goal, yeah. scored a fantastic solo goal and, and in the end, Henderson, <clears throat> Henderson wrapped it up after good work from, from Firmino down the right hand side, but it was such a hard game. A few people, myself included, kind of fancy Sam Hampson as a bit of a dark horse this season. Hassan Hootl, the manager, seems to have you know a bit about him. And, the Alpine Klopp. The Alpine Klopp, that's right. Mm -hmm. And got himself quite organised. They were badly beaten at Burnley, weren't they, last Saturday, yep. which I think was a bit of a surprise result. But So they, they will be very much wanting to make just, up for that. Just reading one of the lads, Josh Williams, writes for us one of his pieces, and apparently the it was very, very even um, against Burnley. And, and although it doesn't look look that way from the scoreline, I don't think Southampton stunk the place out. Paul, two clubs with a strange relationship, I think it's fair to say. Uh, obviously, the, the, there was the massive falling out over Van Dyke. Yeah. I don't think Southampton were too pleased at the way Liverpool used to um, almost have a loyalty card for the amount of players that they went and bought from them. The move on on the um, speed dial, weren't they? And, and I don't think the fans have forgotten that. I think there's still a bit of needle between no, the fans, yeah, but yeah. the club's relationships have since improved, haven't they? Yeah, the uh, Southampton fans, it's fair to say there's no love lost there because yeah. they took Diane Lovren, um, Adam Lallana, Ricky Lambert, Ricky Adam Lallana, who was the captain at the time. They, they absolutely hated that. And the, Daniel uh, Klein. Mane. Daniel Klein. Mane, yeah. Um, and then... It plummeted, didn't it, when yeah. when the whole Van Dyke thing came out, when Liverpool were accused of um, having conversations they shouldn't have been. So, yeah, no love lost between the, the supporters. It's a tricky place to go. I agree with Dan. It's it's one of those places where you always have a little bit of, of trepidation going into it. And I think tomorrow will be no different. I think Jürgen Klopp might have to make changes just because he's just played a midweek game 120 minutes in August, which... It's just in ludicrous. 31 degree temperature. It was so yeah, humid yeah. in that ground as well. Wasn't this, it? this is the fourth game of the season tomorrow for Liverpool, and yeah. you know they'll be playing before teams have even played twice. It's just mm. such is this season. So I, I'd imagine you might make one or two changes, particularly in midfield. I think we could even see Adam Lallana start. So yeah, it's a difficult place to go, but I think Liverpool now have got a little bit about them where they don't come unstuck at these venues. They very much dig in and grind it out and and get the result that they need, whether it's with or without a performance that justifies it. Liverpool have certainly done enough of that over the last season, haven't they? So I think we might be seeing another situation, but I wouldn't be expecting a, um, a top performance of a team that you just look at them and think, oh, they, they could be champions because it's not going to be like that every week and uh, tomorrow will be one of them. Southampton will look to take advantage, won't they? I think Hasnut spoke yesterday in his press conference about how he'd, he said he, he was pleased that they played 120 minutes, yeah. but not because he said not because of the, the the tiredness, but because he got longer to analyse them, oh, right. um, which was interesting. But I think he's, he's not daft. He's a good manager. He plays a very similar style to Klopp, and I think he will be looking to put Liverpool under a lot of pressure early doors. Won't he? Absolutely, you know, it, it's their first home game of the season. Mm -hmm. um, they will be wanting to put on a good show in front of their, their own supporters, um, particularly obviously having having lost heavily away last week I mean it, 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 it's a similar way kind of like when I saw the result on Sunday afternoon <clears throat> United for Chelsea and I remember thinking well that probably doesn't really help us in terms of mm -hmm. Wednesday night because obviously they're going to want to show a reaction to that um, I, like Paul said for me one of the most encouraging things about this Liverpool and over the last year to 18 months or so and we saw it again on Wednesday night when you know I thought 
Chelsea shaded the game. Chelsea, you know, the better team probably lost on um, on Wednesday. You know, apart from that 25, 20, 25 minute spell after half time, and obviously little flurries here and there, Chelsea just seemed slightly, the slightly mm-hmm. play with slightly more authority, slightly more command. But Liverpool walked away with the cup, and that's because this team finds a way to get it done, finds a way to win, and that is that that is as encouraging a sign as any, as any fan could hope to wish for. You're not going to play well every match over a 60-odd game season. But it's about doing what is necessary to get the results you need to move forward. And I 100% agree with Paul tomorrow. I, I, I hope I'm wrong. I do see us walking away with a 3 or 4-0 victory. But I'm hopeful and confident that Liverpool will find a way to get it done. It might not be pretty, it might be tense, it might be scrappy and ugly. But this team has that edge of pragmatism about it now that will do what is necessary to get themselves over the line. Cool. Well, let's finish off with a quick natter about Dejan Lovren, who looks set to stay at the club, Paul. Uh, some developments in um, his future today. Yeah, looks like he's he's going to be staying put. Obviously, there was talks during the week of, of incest from AC Milan and Roma, and Roma have been in talks with Liverpool to the point where Lovren missed the Super Cup, didn't he, with, with illness, succinctly cited on the club's website. But reading between the lines, maybe uh, he wasn't quite as... As ill was was made out, but yeah, it looks like he's going to be staying. Liverpool have basically grown a bit frustrated and a bit annoyed with Roma's conduct. Liverpool have set the price. Roma have we understand that Roma have yet to make an official offer and have been trying to get him a little bit on the cheap and um, through intermediaries speaking to the club. And um, yeah, Liverpool have, have had enough. They're walking away and they're going to keep him for the season. So uh, personally, I think it's the right choice. I was a little bit. Um, Disappointed maybe to hear that Lovren would be going because I thought that might have left Liverpool a little bit short of centre backs. He's obviously fourth choice at the moment, but he's a very dependable and experienced one who will play uh, quite a few games this season, I think. So, yeah, I think it's the right decision for Liverpool to, to say uh, no more and Lovren's going to be staying in Anfield. He's a funny one, Lovren, isn't he? Because he's he's another of, and Liverpool have, Liverpool have and have had a few of them, a player who people scream and shout about. Let's face it. If he if he was in the starting lineup tomorrow afternoon, you wouldn't you wouldn't be worrying, would you? You'd think, well, he's another dependable, solid centre half. He's he's played in in big games, World Cup finals, European Cup finals. He's no more, is he? And and I think no. keeping him can only help Liverpool's chances this season. When the news broke on Tuesday that it seemed kind of fairly likely all of a sudden that he was going to be leaving, there was quite a bit of disquiet amongst the Liverpool supporters I was with. Mm-hmm. In that we were going to get, with, with obviously our window having now shut and the European window being open, that we were almost kind of handicapping ourselves and, and willfully leaving ourselves short. I mean, Barry, you know, Paul pointed out that um, you know, Lovren was at the moment kind of fourth cab off the rank in terms of centre backs, but the third cab off the rank, Joe Gomez, is also one of our main covers for the right back position. Yeah. So Barry, and a left back. Yeah, and a left back, which I think is where he switched to yeah, in extra time when, when Trent came on, didn't he, on Wednesday. Um, now, bearing in mind, there is already a feeling that possibly we're a little bit short up front. Um, you know, I, I'm absolutely not going to get on the high horse and, and, and start berating the owners for, for not spending millions and millions of pounds this summer. But there is a bit of a feeling that we are taking a little bit of a chance in leaving ourselves a little bit light in some areas, which is obviously caveated by the fact, like I said earlier in this podcast, that it's hard for us to get replacements at the yep. minute because mm. our squad is so good. Our, our top team is so good that to, to, that to get you know replacements of a, of a similar quality is is not as easy as some people make out. So I, I'm, I'm delighted, Lovren's saying. I, I personally, I've, I've got an awful lot of time for the lad. You know, he had a difficult start to his Liverpool career and was written off and kind of pigeonholed um, with some of the players that were just deemed to be not good enough 
he has he has the occasion still has the occasion little Lovren moment in him, yeah. but he's a, he plays with a lot of heart and a lot of quality. You know, the, the, this team that we've all enjoyed over the last two, you know, eighteen months, two years, getting to two European Cup finals. Lovren has played a big part in that. I think he's also very important in terms of like just for the kind of like the mood of the squad. Obviously, everyone knows he's he's big mates with Mo Salah. Um, now, you know, you can't just keep her along just as Salah's mascot. But, um, no, I, it, to me... Sam Carroll here because he's Adam's mate. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. But, you know, well, that, that's another podcast in itself, really. Yeah. But, um, no, I, I'm, I'm delighted Lovren's staying. And, you know, over the course of it, we, what, we're still only halfway through August and it seems like virtually every day we're talking about a new Liverpool injury. So, I mean, most important, what Dexy needs to do is get himself fit and stay fit because, because last season was very, very stop-start for him. Joel Matip has, has massively come up yeah. on the rails and, and as far as I'm concerned is the man in possession and should yeah. be the, the man starting regularly alongside Van Dijk at the minute but I've got a lot of time for Lovren and I think he's still got a big part to play for Liverpool Well can we finish off with a lovely Dan K metaphor for Dejan Lovren you must have something Oh God He's not quite the straw that stays to drink is no, he Paul? No, no. Um, Wow I've realised I've put you on the spot you here, really, but, yeah, but you, you always have something Is he the, the coast of the Props the table up or something. The coaster that props. Yeah. It. Do you prop? Oh, I see. Yeah, underneath the. Mm. Yeah, it keeps it from. Yeah, well, yeah, I'll, I'll go with that one. Yeah, thank yeah. you, Paul. You got me out of jail there, mate. Because I went, my mind went blank. <laughs> the coaster that props the table up, or that stops it from wobbling. Yeah, that's it. Nice that. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll, we'll leave it there. So it's, it's a lovely way of ending. <laughs> we'll, we'll be back on Monday to um, look back at hopefully a decent result at Southampton, and uh, then look ahead to Arsenal. So see you then. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.